Welcome to the fifth episode of the Box Jumper Podcast. This time, it's just me. No guest, no filter, no editing. I'll be joined by a guest for my next episode, but for this one, with my coaching duties more than doubling for this coming week, as the owners of the affiliate at which I train away for some well-deserved family vacation, I thought I'd share with you some of my top reasons for loving being a CrossFit coach. As always, I'm your host, John Sainamond. I am a CrossFit L1 trainer, a Catalyst L- Athletics L1 certified weightlifting coach, a master's athlete, a husband, a dad, small business owner in Bedford, Nova Scotia, Canada. With this podcast, I'm talking to people, and in this time, it's just me, from all corners of the CrossFit and extended fitness community about getting healthy, happy, fit, staying active, independent, and all the other great benefits of making fitness part of your life. It's time to get into some CrossFit talk from a coach's perspective. The WOD starts in 10 as I walk you through the top reasons I love being a CrossFit coach. Hey everybody, Uh, welcome back to the Box Jumper Podcast. Uh, this week, rather than, uh, do an interview, I've got a couple of interviews lined up, uh, for the coming episodes. Um, but I wanted to take an opportunity to, uh, do a, a special home episode. Uh, and the reason is this, um, the, uh, the owners of the affiliate at which I train, uh, Osprey Athletics in Bedford, Nova Scotia, Canada, are away on vacation this week. And, um, one of the, the opportunities that that afforded me was to increase the number of classes uh, that I coach during a normal week. I normally teach um, uh, alternating uh, between three and four uh, per week, which isn't a lot, but it's it's uh, more than enough for me to get a little bit more experience as time goes on. I've been doing coaching for a little over a year and change now. Um, and so, you know, whenever an opportunity like that arises, particularly with um, uh, people going on vacation, and therefore there's additional spots during the week that need to be covered. Usually, the the coaches that are uh, that are still around during that uh, given period uh, step up and try to take over some of those spots um, to avoid any kind of interruption in the class schedule. And so this this week was no different. Um, you know, the uh, the owners are away on vacation, and uh, I'm away next week. So I I said, well, if I'm going to be away, and and I'm going to miss some classes next week. Um, I should really step it up while they're away and and take on as much as I can. So what that brought me to is thinking about what are the things that I like about coaching? Why is it that I want uh, to be able to contribute a little bit more? And it's not just about, you know, ensuring that the the schedule is uninterrupted, but, you know, there's a a fundamental reason that I spend time in front of the class. Um, So I thought I'd share with you sort of my my own personal top 10 list um, about the things that I enjoy about coaching and what I get out of it. Um, And, uh, you know, at the end, I'll I'll share with you some thoughts on, you know, what are some of the ways that some of you out there that are in CrossFit that are um, at the moment maybe, uh, you know, working on um, becoming better athletes, but also, you know, you're, you're contributing to the community and you're looking for other ways to uh, to possibly contribute and coaching just might be something that you'll wind up uh, progressing to ultimately yourself the same way I did. 
Um, so let's get started. Um, I'll give you uh, uh, each one in turn. They're not in any particular order. Um, I, I couldn't even begin to put them in any kind of reasonable sense of order. So, um, you know, forgive me, David Letterman, this is not going to be progressively funnier or progressively uh, uh, more well thought out. I'm just giving you the 10 that uh, immediately came to mind. Um, and, uh, you know, as I alluded to earlier, first, it's it's obviously being part of the community. It's certainly a way to increase your presence in the community. Um, you know, when you're, when you're part of the CrossFit world and you're starting to get to know the people in your gym and you've participated in the open and you're, and you're really finding your groove and really enjoying the, the camaraderie that comes with being as part of a, a community in a CrossFit gym, um, sometimes you, you want to find a way to contribute a little bit more. And, and some gyms will hold events, and, and certainly ours is no different. We've had quite a number of events that are uh, both inside and outside the gym so that everybody gets together and, and enjoys the, the whole process of working out together even more. But, you know, one of the, one of the things that I started to see was this, um, this opportunity to become more a part of the community and, and becoming a coach to me was a natural way to increase my involvement, um, in the community to give back to the gym. Um, so that was one of the the things that motivated me in eventually, uh, deciding to get my L1 and, and to start coaching, um, Number two, it's it's also, you know, particularly when it comes to dealing with people that are just being introduced to the sport, it's incredibly gratifying to help introduce them to something that will that they'll value and they'll benefit from. Um, the same way as if you find a fantastic deal on something, you talk about it to other people. And, you know, the CrossFit community is certainly known for... Um, evangelizing the the whole idea of what CrossFit means and the benefits to the body and to the mind and, um, you know, all the things that come with that. And when you're dealing with somebody new and bringing them in, um, you can't help but uh, feel pretty great about being able to bring them in, um, you know, find a way to connect with them and, and to engender some trust so that they know you know what you're talking about and, and you're going to be able to bring this this wonderful thing that that we call CrossFit and and bring them into the community so that they too uh, get to have fun and benefit and and be part of the excitement um, that you feel in the gym. Um, And, you know, I I love it, um, particularly when I I get to deal with new people that are coming in. Um, I'm one of the coaches at our affiliate that deals with uh, the brand new people for um, our on-ramp program, which we call pre-flight, uh, just a, a play on the idea of uh, Osprey. Uh, and when when I get to do some of those sessions, it's it's great because everybody comes in with you know varying levels of of uh, fitness and experience, and some people have moved barbells before, and some people have never touched one. Uh, and so you get to be able to to take it all down to a really simple level bring them through the movements, teach them how to move safely, um, and get them excited about joining this community. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't give that part of, of my coaching experience up at all. Um, anybody that's new to coaching, if they have an opportunity, once they develop a little bit of experience as coaches, um, to roll back and, and start helping out with um, these on-ramp programs, it's an invaluable experience because you get to, to coach somebody from the ground up that has... Um, probably no experience with the types of movements that we do in CrossFit. And so, you know, you, you wind up being able to share with them the, the knowledge that you've developed over the number of years that you've already been in CrossFit and, and certainly the, 
the the tips and and the cues that you get as a coach, um, you wind up being able to help them um, move along very quickly and start to develop some experience and some movement patterns that they can use in class. Third, uh, being a coach makes me a better athlete. I mean that that's a bit more of a selfish reason. But um, it is one of those things that I certainly had in the back of my head when I decided I, I wanted to become a coach and take that leap. Um, it, it's funny to think of it that way, but when you have to uh, observe people's movement in the CrossFit movements and um, bring them through class, and um, particularly when you're dealing with uh, technique-oriented movements in particular, and give them cues so that they wind up improving uh, the movement that they're uh, that they're using. That winds up translating into different things in your head as well. You you start to see see the athlete that you're working with as a bit of a mirror. Um, is the movement that they're doing, or is there some little flaw in the way that they're moving that you can correct? Is that something that you're doing too? Um, and you you start to to look at it that way and start to to do a little bit of self analysis as well. So when you start pulling apart and dissecting the efficiencies of their movements, um, you start translating in that into the way that you move. And you're and you know the flip side of that is when you're in class, um, you know everybody that knows that you're a coach, they're they're watching your movement patterns as well. And so it makes you a lot more mindful of ensuring that you're using the best possible movement uh, available to you. And you know you're you're not only drinking the Kool-Aid, but you're demonstrating that these movements have a very particular way of being done in order to be as efficient as possible for your body type, your body frame, your segment lengths, etc. Um, everybody's movement is a little bit different, but there's an awful lot of um, common ground and, and a similar foundation for just about all those movements. Uh, number four, uh, it's kind of related to uh, being part of the community, is it feels good to give back to that community. Um, the same way as when, when, you know, when I first joined, um, there were some great coaches, great members of the community that were very supportive. You know, when I had a bad workout, everybody was still giving me a, giving me a high five and, and uh, encouraging me, cheering me on. The coaches were giving me cues so that I moved better, moved faster, uh, moved more efficiently. And, you know, I, I value that and, and I benefited from that every bit as much as the other athletes in the class, and so it felt good to be able to to transition to a point where I could help make that similar contribution. Um, and I, I think my contribution to the community um, develops over time as well as I get more experience as a coach, and and I work with more and more different athletes, and so I see different ways that people move. Um, I start to get much more familiar, the the library in my head of how things are done and different cues that I can give people, what works, what doesn't, um, that begins to develop more rapidly as time goes on. And the more, the more coaches I, or the more classes I coach and the more experience I get with athletes, uh, I think the better I get at it. So it's good practice and it's a great way to continue to, to give back. Uh, number five, um, it's a time warp. I mean, it, it, that's, that's one of the benefits of working with the new athletes in particular, is that the minute you see somebody new come in for their very first uh, pre-flight class, and they're not really sure how to set up, and, and you're showing them um, you know, the, the basics of the movements, and, and in particular, in, in our pre-flight program, we really break everything down into component movements before we start combining them. And you teach these one at a time, and you think back you know, this is what it was like when I came in. 
Um, you know, the structure of pre-flight may be a little bit different. Um, you know, we called it fundamentals back then and, and it has slightly different structure. Now we have a, a very focused structure and we're taking everybody through the exact same movement patterns and they're learning the same movements over the course of their, their uh, pre-flight experience. But when you look at it, you just immediately are taken back to when you started and what was it, what, what was it like, um, when you first started, um, how exhausted were you at the end of your very first class? And what was it like the first time you stepped into a CrossFit class after you finished pre-flight? Um, you know, the nerves and, and how overwhelming it seemed and how fit everyone else around you seemed compared to you. Um, and you know, that, that feeling, uh, I'm sure continues to be very similar for, uh, new athletes as they come in. And, you know, as time progresses, you kind of forget a little bit about just how overwhelming it was. So when you're coaching and, and you're able to see that um, that experience um, all brand new for new athletes when they come in, um, it's pretty cool. It's it's I suppose myself as a parent, um, I think it's a little bit like uh, when I look at one of my kids doing something for the very first time, um, you know, whether it's riding a bike or learning to swim or all, all of those, those, um, fundamental skills and and new experiences that they had as they were growing up. Um, and you know, you're there as a parent to observe them, but you also think back, well, what was it like when I did that, uh, for the very first time? So it really is a bit of a time warp to, to get to continue in that, in that vein, particularly when, you're involved in the in you know the fundamentals program, and you're being able to bring new athletes along uh, and introduce them to CrossFit from the very start. Um, number six, kind of related to the idea of making me a better athlete, is is it really as as a coach, it it identifies very quickly that you still have lots to learn, uh, and it and it certainly helps you zero in on what those things are. Um, you know, there are some some movements that I I just kind of check out. Because I, I know I know how to do them, I'm efficient with them, and then there's other movements where I know for sure that I have a long way to go in getting as good as I think my body will allow me to get. Um, and so, you know, the, being being a coach and, and um, trying to cue people on not only the movements that I know I'm very fluent in, but movements that continue to challenge me, whether it's double unders or ring muscle ups or overhead squat uh, things that I know I have a lot of progress left to achieve, um, it, it it really helps focus and reinforce uh, the things that you know you still have to learn and, and make progress in. Um, and, you know, it, it it helps challenge me to make sure that I, I pay attention to, to getting at those, those skills that I need to develop. Number seven, it's a master's class in the art of science and the science of communication. Um it, it's always it's always amazing to me the the number of different cues that you wind up having to use for different athletes for exactly the same thing that you see in their movement. Um, you could have three students right in front of you doing exactly the same movement and have the exact same tiny little flaw in the way that they're moving. And if you give all three the exact same cue, you'll be lucky if one of them corrects it the right way on the next rep. Um, because everybody absorbs the feedback that you're giving them in a different way. Um, some of them need to see it. Some of them need you to describe it. Some of them need you to describe it in a subtly different way from the last time you described it. Um, and you know, and the number of athletes that I've heard that have gone to other gyms and someone else gave them a cue 
and it suddenly made sense to them, even if it was the exact same cue their coach has been giving them for weeks. Um, it's just one of those subtleties of communication that winds up being a, a part of what every coach is challenged with every day. And so, you know, that's why when you see the coaches walking around and giving people cues, you'll see them kind of circle around and then circle back to the same person and make sure that the cue that they just gave them has been effective. And if not, they'll give them another cue to try to make that, uh, that movement work for them. So it's, it's certainly one of the challenges that you have as a coach is being able to develop that little library in the back of your head of all the different cues that you could potentially use. And, you know, hopefully over time, um, you start to see a pattern in which cues are more effective than others. Um, and, you know, whether it's showing somebody the, the movement and, or describing the movement, and usually that's the one that, that you'll wind up having to vary the most. Um, or if it's, you know, uh, some, some touch uh, component to it where you, you touch them on the, the part of their shoulder that's moving in the wrong way or um, touch them on the, on the back of the leg where they're, they're, they've got too much bend in their knee or not enough bend in their knee. Um, you know, those, those tactile cues sometimes wind up becoming things that you wind up having to be able to bring out as well. So there, there's a lot of different ways that you have to communicate with someone and you have to be very quick on your feet and, and adapt uh, as quickly as possible so that they can get the, the move right. Um, because, you know, if they're only doing four or five reps in that, you know, EMOM or something, you only have a small amount of, a uh, small window to get that correction in before they might have moved on to another movement. And then by the time they come back to the bar or come back to the kettlebell or whatever the movement happens to be, they may not have another chance to adjust. Um, so it's, it's uh, definitely an exercise in being as efficient as possible with how you deliver your, your feedback. Um, but in the back of your mind, you've got to be able to go through all of those different things much more quickly. And kind of related to that, uh, number eight is it's never the same twice. Um, even when, you know, you get comfortable in your, your time slot. I mean, I, I see a lot of the same athletes on the days that I coach because, you know, it, usually on the schedule for an affiliate, you've got coaches that fill the same time spot uh, during the week on any given day. They've got, you know, Monday and Wednesday or uh, Tuesday and Thursday at the exact same time week over week um, because it fits their personal schedule, um, whether it's to give them their opportunity to train on their own and, and join the regular class schedule um, or whether it's, you know, those are the days where, um, you know, they don't have to get their kids off to school quite as early or they have to get their, get their kids to school earlier because they've got band practice or something else. There's always something in, in somebody's personal schedule that winds up determining when the coach can match up to a particular class. And, of course, it's also dependent on the need of the affiliate to have a, a coach cover a particular spot. So you do see the same athletes on a regular basis, but because of the varied programming that's uh, inherent to the way that CrossFit is done, um, you very often don't see the same movement um, terribly frequently, or if you do, you see variations on the same movement. I mean, a hang clean and a hang power clean and um, you know, clean and jerk, yeah, there's some overlap there, but there are some subtle differences too that wind up resulting in variances in the way that people move. Uh, and then you start dealing with variances in the load that they're moving and the speed at which they're moving it, and suddenly it's never the same twice. So you do get a really interesting uh, opportunity to provide feedback and coaching on movements that are so varied, um, and athletes, you know, in addition to the movements themselves being different, you know, an athlete might feel kind of drained on one day and feel super pumped the next day and move completely differently on the same movement. So you're, you're constantly challenged 
to see uh, the, the differences in the way that people move and to provide cues in the moment that are appropriate to the way that the, the athlete is moving. Um, and that, that's a really interesting and consistent challenge. It's, um, you know, it's almost to, it's similar to when you see a new athlete move. Um, you know, you'll have some people that you'll, you'll have coached for a while and, you know, you know that there's particular movements that they move well in. And so they may not really need all that many cues. Um, but you're still looking for them. You're still observing their movement, looking for the, the body mechanics of how they're moving, um, and looking for opportunities to give them a cue to help them uh, perform better. Uh, number nine, um, I find it brings me closer to my classmates too. Um, because I very often coach the same time slot that I, that I also work out in on other days, um, I see a lot of the same athletes, not only from the perspective of a coach, but also as the, from the perspective of a classmate. And so, I, you know, I, because I'm interacting with them in that coaching environment, I get to know the athletes a little bit more than if the, I'm just working out beside them on a day-to-day basis. It's a subtle difference because, I mean, we're all pretty close-knit and everybody that works out in a particular class really starts to get to know each other, especially over time. Um, but I do find that, you know, because I'm in that, um, that position of leadership as a coach and they look to me for advice on how to move better or what, what, how to scale a movement appropriately, um, whatever they're feeling on that given day, um, you know, whoever's leading the class, I defer to them on those, on uh, those particular items. But because I interact with them on a regular basis on that sort of thing, it becomes kind of a regular part of, uh, of what my relationship is with the other people in the class. Um, and so that's one of the things that I really kind of like about being more part of the community, being, um, being on the coaching staff. It, it gives me an opportunity to be closer to the other athletes that I work out with on a regular basis, not just those that I coach. Uh, and number 10, you kind of have to love CrossFit to be a coach. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody would ever, you know, be an athlete for a couple of years and then decide to be a coach if they didn't already have a bit of a love affair with the the methodology of CrossFit and the community and the style of workout and the environment that they're in. They got to love being in the gym um, in order to be a coach. Uh, the last thing you want is a coach at the front of the room that checks out that that isn't engaged. And I feel very very fortunate that I, I've never seen anybody uh, check out in any of our classes. All of the all of the coaches quite obviously really enjoy what they're doing, um, and it's probably for all the other nine reasons that I just cited, or, or variations on those nine reasons, or maybe they have a completely different list. Um, but it's pretty clear that that they love what they're doing, contributing to um, how the how the athletes are developing leading a class, the energy level that that brings. Um, you know, th- these are all the things that you have to really love to be uh, a CrossFit coach. Um, whether you're an L1, L2, L3, it doesn't make any difference. It's that, that passion for, for coaching and that passion for CrossFit as, as a sport has to be there in order for you to be an effective coach because it's, it's infectious, but its absence would be very noticeable. And so I don't think anyone would stick around as a coach very long if they didn't have that kind of relationship with the sport. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to throw on a bonus one here. Number 11, um, CrossFit athletes are genuinely appreciative of what the coaches bring to them. Um, I've 
certainly felt that in the feedback that I've gotten from athletes that I've worked with, um, whether in the short term or, or the longer term. Um, it's pretty awesome when, when you see the, the kind of progress that an athlete makes and, you know, they, when they get their first pull up or they get their first overhead squat or their first snatch, some movement that was challenging them. And they genuinely feel that the coaching helped get them there. Um, you know, obviously they put in the work, um, but you know, the, the coaches tried to motivate them, give them the cues on the movement so that they perform it well and perform it safely. And, you know, I think most of the athletes really recognize the role that the coaches play in their success. And so, um, because the CrossFit community is really tight knit, um, you know, I think, I think all the, all the coaches, um, really wind up being able to feel that appreciation from most of the athletes. Um, and that, that's certainly an important part of why we coaches stand at the front of the room. We're not looking for the appreciation. We're just trying to give back to the community. And, and it just so happens that what we really like is seeing people make progress and how they feel about that progress. Um, that's certainly the, the gratifying part of it for us. And then on the flip side, you know, myself as an athlete, when a coach has given me a cue that has really worked, really, um, helped me move better. Um, you know, I, I can't help but, but jump up and down and say, you know, your, your knowledge imparted on me has helped me do this better. Um, and so, you know, I hope I've, I've, always been quick to ensure that the coach that gave me that cue is aware of what kind of a difference it's made. Um, you know, I, have certainly experienced that from other athletes telling me that something that I've, I've helped them with has, has, uh, helped make them, uh, a better athlete. They've made progress as a result of some cue that I gave them. Um, and that, that's, that's really gratifying. So, you know, I, I can think of dozens of instances in which a coach has given me a cue um, and that's, you know, not, not, uh, not only early on when I started in CrossFit, but as recently as two weeks ago, I remember getting a cue that made a big difference to how I was moving and suddenly I hit a PR. Um, you know, these are all things that, that you'll experience no matter how long you're in CrossFit and no matter what coach you're dealing with, because like I said earlier, it's never the same twice. And so sometimes it just takes the cue being given at the right moment for you to internalize it and have it change the way that you're moving. And suddenly you have that aha moment and you're able to get it. Um, you know, I've, I've seen that in many athletes and not as a result of a cue, but result, I think it's the result of them trying something, feeling how it's not quite working and they adjust and then suddenly something's working for them. Um, you know, and you see the light bulb just suddenly turn on above their head and then all of a sudden they're able to, to repeat it. Um, finding that movement pattern and being able to repeat it is, is just such a huge part of being able to move efficiently in, in a number of movements. And I've seen it probably more often than not in something like pull-ups. Gymnastic movements um, definitely benefit from that uh, repeatability factor and being able to feel like you're, you're creating a movement pattern as opposed to treating it as a one-of. Uh, and the Olympic lifts are certainly a, a big component to that as well. And I, I've certainly felt that myself on things like snatches, um, where for me, it usually takes seven or eight reps before my shoulders feel loose enough to actually get down into a squat with that bar overhead. But once I do, I can start picking up the numbers and with the right cues, um, I, I can really start to move that bar uh, far better than I do when I'm on my own. I, I very often need reminders of the exact same thing in order to make sure that I'm moving correctly. 
So there's my there's my top 10 or rather my top 11 list. Um, I'd be curious to know, uh, particularly from uh, the, the folks that listen, what are some of the things that, that you've gotten from your coaches um, that you think, um, you know, you wouldn't have gotten on your own? What are the what are the things that you think about um, when you're interacting with with one of the coaches in your classes? Um, what cues, what types of cues do you respond to most? Um, and then finally, one of the things that I wanted to, to use this, uh, this particular episode to talk about was, are, are there those of you out there that are thinking about potentially becoming a coach? Is that something that you might move to naturally on your own? Are some of these uh, top 11 items that I cited things that you would value uh, yourself? Um, you know, do you want to be more part of the community? Do you want to make yourself a better athlete? Do you want to give back to your community and, and help others find this sport that you've fallen in love with? Um, you know, undoubtedly there are opportunities, um, in every, uh, CrossFit gym for someone to eventually make progress, uh, and become a coach. Not everyone will, will wind up getting there. Not everyone wants to get there. But for, for the, the select few that are really engaged and interested and have a passion for it um, and really feel like they can help others, um, you know, it's, it's a valuable thing to chase. Um, and, you know, it, it, if there's one thing I would say that every affiliate could potentially do for you um, for an athlete that's considering becoming a coach is, you know, talk to the affiliate owner um, first and foremost uh, and find out whether or not uh, you know, they think that you're, you're up to it. Uh, you can do your L1 regardless. I mean, it's, it's incredibly valuable knowledge, but if you're really looking to become a coach, um, then you've got to talk to, uh, to the affiliate owner because they're ultimately going to be the holder of the key as far as whether you get an opportunity to coach and whether there's an opening for, uh, to get some experience as a coach. But if I have one place that I'd say everyone could potentially start, it's to shadow a coach. Um, and I know you think, well, I'm in a, I'm in a class every day with a coach. I get to observe what they do. Um, but it's a little bit different when you're, you're in the workout and observing the coach versus out of the workout and observing things with the eyes of a coach. Um, and you know, if there's an opportunity for those of you that, that would consider becoming a coach, that's one thing that I kind of wish I, I sort of did it in, in a roundabout way, because once I got my L1, we, we, I, I did talk to the affiliate owner and I did get to essentially job shadow before I ever got in front of a class. Even though I myself, I had a lot of experience coaching in other sports, so I felt fairly comfortable that I would find uh, my feet under me pretty quickly um, at the front of a CrossFit class. There was still some nerves. Um, and, you know, if I had had an opportunity even before I went and got my L1 to see what it's like to be a coach, observe a class with that same critical eye, looking at the movement patterns, looking at the way people um, are responding to the cues and and getting a little bit of experience viewing the class from that perspective, I think, I, I don't think it would have changed my path at all, but I might have gotten even more interested even earlier um, if I had had that opportunity. So for those of you that are considering it, Talk to your affiliate owners, um, find out if there's an opportunity for you to do something like that so that you can see what coaching is really like. Uh, and then hopefully, um, if you're uh, if you're still pretty keen, there'll be an opportunity for you to take an L1 sometime uh, in the near future um, and get out there and, and start contributing to your community uh, even further. And more importantly, just bringing more athletes into CrossFit because I think this, this, whole, this whole idea of... Uh, 
you know, really living in a fitness lifestyle and, and changing the way that you think about the role of fitness in your life really makes a difference. It certainly has for me. All right, that's the first of what I expect will be at least a few home episodes. I've got more uh, more guests lined up to come on to the podcast over the next several weeks. Um, so hopefully uh, I'll, I'll get one of those guests on real soon and release my next episode. Um, until then, what happy and what often. Just thought for this episode, since it was a little bit different already, I'd tack on a completely new idea. Uh, I'm going to give you a training tip uh, for this episode, and that is a mobility tip. Um, I've been going to physio and, and working with a variety of people on some back issues that I've been having lately. Um, being a master's athlete, um, there's always, you know, certain things, certain parts of the body that get a little bit more stiff, a little bit more sore. Uh, but I actually wound up injuring myself, uh, overtraining a little bit, uh, back at Christmas time. And I'm still kind of slowly recovering, uh, with my back. And one of the tips that I got from, uh, a physio that is also an athlete at our gym, uh, Mike Connors, um, from platinum physiotherapy group. Uh, he gave me an outstanding drill that, uh, I continue to use and I'm, I'm uh, rolling out with my master's class, uh, programming on a regular basis. And that is, um, something that I, I'm kind of jokingly calling the unicorn. Um, it's kind of like doing a good morning for those of you that have, have done that movement or you're familiar with that movement by name. Uh, it's where you take a dowel, put it across your shoulders, um, stay, stay with your legs fairly straight, kind of tiny bit of an active knee bend, um, but you're basically hinging only at the hip, keeping your back quite flat and your chest up. Um, the, the unicorn is a variation on that, deliberately meant to keep your back uh, straight with a physical cue for keeping your back straight in that movement. So you're still going to do exactly the same movement, but instead of having the dowel across your shoulders, which would still allow you to round your back, and you wouldn't necessarily know you rounded your back while you did it, uh, instead you keep the dowel down, going down the back of your, your spine, holding it uh, from, from behind, behind your head, down to your tailbone, and you maintain three points of contact, the back of the head, in between the shoulder blades, and down at the base of the spine at the tailbone. And so as you perform that hinging at the hip and come forward, um, you wind up having to maintain those three points of contact throughout the movement to ensure that your back stays straight. And as soon as it rounds even a little, it's going to come off either at the head or at the tailbone. So you wouldn't be able to maintain three points of contact any longer. So this drill reinforces the idea of being able to keep that nice flat bat, a flat flat back, uh, to keep that uh, lumbar curve uh, nice and nice and uh, uh, pronounced at, at the base of the spine, so that you're able to keep everything in line and not overly stretch and stress the low back in particular. Because if you're going to get some roundness, it's either going to be high in your shoulders or down low on your back, and and this gives you a, a tactile cue to keep that. Uh, alignment through uh, the the spine. So it, it's a great drill. Um, I'm using it on a regular basis. It's really making a difference. Um, it, it prevents me from over uh, overarching or, or really, I guess it's more over flexing um, as I go through that movement. Um, and so I find it a, a really valuable mobility exercise. And, um, you know, hopefully it's one that you, uh, you out there can use yourself and feel the difference and, and feel the different range in motion that you're able to get by doing that particular tip. Um, so give it a try and uh, send me some feedback. Let me know how you, how you make out with it. Time's up. I hope you enjoyed this latest shorter than usual episode of the Box Jumper podcast. Please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you get upcoming episodes automatically as I talk CrossFit, fitness, health, and active living. 
If you like the episode, I'd love for you to write a review on iTunes. As I mentioned in this episode, I'd also like to hear from listeners about what their coaches have done for them. Motivation, cues, leadership. What are the ways coaches have made you better? Email me at info at boxjumper.ca with your stories, and hopefully I can share some on future episodes. Visit my website at boxjumper.ca often for more fitness-related stuff outside the podcast as well. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with the handle at boxjumperover40, with four zero rather than spelled out. Thanks for listening. Lots more on the way. Until then, stay healthy, wad happy, and wad often.